The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading, I know I said that I was going to be <laughs> going back to Marcus Aurelius just doing the, the meditations in sequence, but today's reading is from Seneca's letter number 91 on the lessons to be drawn from the burning of Lyon. And this is a very long letter, and we're not going to do all of it. We're just doing this uh, excerpt here. What is quite unlooked for is more crushing in its effect, and the unexpectedness adds to the weight of a disaster. This is a reason for ensuring that nothing ever takes us by surprise. We should project our thoughts ahead of us at every turn and have in mind every possible eventuality instead of only the usual course of events. Rehearse them in your mind. Exile, torture, war, shipwreck. All the terms of our human lot should be before our eyes. Now, if you have been listening, I'd say over the last couple months, maybe, or if you started listening, then you will recognize this, perhaps, as the source of the the technique premeditatio malorum, uh, of which I bought a medallion, uh, which says on the back of it, all the terms of our human lot should be before our eyes, exile, torture, war, and shipwreck, and on the front, it says premeditatio malorum, which means the premeditation of evils. Um, I tried hunting down the source of this. I knew it was from Seneca, but I, I no one, <laughs> I had a very hard time on the internet. It's very hard to track down stoic quotations on the internet because you'll find many, many things that just attribute the quotation to the person who said it, but you won't find a specific location. So I'm happy to find this is from letter number 91. Okay, anyway, just had to say that. Um, so we've talked about premeditatio malorum on several occasions. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday when I was packing uh, to fly from Seattle to New York, which is relevant, by the way. I was listening to Tim Ferriss's interview with Dr. Sue Johnson, uh, which is uh, which was recorded or posted on uh, August 25th, 2021. And she was talking about she's a relationships therapist. And so she was talking about the difficulties that that couples have communicating and and she was talking about the phenomenon of how it's very easy to blow up and exaggerate the consequences in your mind of saying or not saying something uh, to your partner. So, so she, th- I, I want <laughs> something about this phrase she used. She says, uh, I, this is quotation from midway in the sentence. She says, because we always have this catastrophe in our head when we're afraid, we create catastrophes in our head to try to prepare for them. Now, she's saying this as a negative thing, okay, meaning that it, it ends up being bad uh, emotionally and, and practically uh, if you build up these consequences. But the terms in w- that she was using of creating catastrophes in her head to try to prepare for them, that reminded me of premeditatio malorum. And that kind of like smacked me in the head with this question of, well, what is the difference between the, the negative thing of doing what she's saying and the actual the actual beneficial practice of premeditatio malorum. Um, and I actually, there's a term for, for what she's describing. Uh, I, I know it goes by different names, but the term is catastrophizing uh, or the verb to catastrophize. So I, first thing I did is I looked up catastrophize in the dictionary. So Merriam-Webster says that catastrophize means to imagine the worst possible outcome of an action or event. Now, again, that sounds like it is exactly what Seneca wants us to do, which which does not seem good, you know? And uh, usually I like Merriam-Webster, but I do not think that that's a good definition. So I, I, I looked around for some more definitions and uh, I found in the, uh, on the APA website, 
which is going to be uh, obviously a, psycho- a psychological definition. They have uh, this paragraph here. Um, it says, definition of catastrophize, to exaggerate the negative consequences of events or decisions. People are said to be catastrophizing when they think that the worst possible outcome will occur from a particular action or in a particular situation or when or when they feel as if they are in the midst of a catastrophe in situations that may be serious and upsetting but are not necessarily disastrous. The tendency to catastrophize can unnecessarily increase levels of anxiety and lead to maladaptive behavior. The verb, as well as its synonym, awfulize, was coined by Albert Ellis, who is considered one of the fathers of cognitive behavior therapy. So that is a much better definition, right? Is unlike Merriam-Webster, which just limits, or which I guess expands the definition of catastrophize to imagining the worst possible outcomes, um... The, the psychological definition is basically saying, yeah, it's when you imagine the worst possible outcomes and convince yourself that they will occur um, or when you feel like the catastrophe is happening now when it's not. And when that feeling leads to unnecessarily unnecessary levels of anxiety and makes you prone to maladaptive behavior. So that is catastrophizing. That is not what Seneca is asking us to do. <laughs> Seneca is not saying that you should assume that the worst is going to happen. He's saying that you should consider the possibilities that might happen and adequately prepare for them. Nor is Seneca saying that you should feel as though the thing is happening right now when it's not happening, because clearly that messes with your ability to assess the situation objectively. Rather, he's saying that you should you should mentally prepare for what will happen when I am uh, if this situation does come to pass. And then by thinking about it ahead of time, you'll be able to maintain a cooler head and not lose uh, perspective when you're actually if the situation if you're actually in the situation. And this is actually uh, a, a conversation I had um, with a listener of this podcast about my last episode. Uh, I, I was discussing this uh, right before um, I uh, flew on, uh, before I boarded the plane, or sorry, not before I boarded the plane, before I went to the airport. And um, we weren't even talking about premeditating malorum, but the, the listener had this phrase, which I think summarizes the, the difference. Uh, the phrase is, quote, anticipating catastrophe from a place of understanding and not craziness, end quote. So in other words, if you're anticipating catastrophe from a place of understanding, so that's the beneficial practice of premeditatio malorum. If you're anticipating it from uh, a, a, a situation, uh, from a, a mental headspace of craziness, so then that's that's the type of thing that Dr. Sue Johnson was condemning. Um so in the episode about the medallions, uh, I actually quoted a Pasuk in Mishle, which I think is the closest thing to Shlomo HaMelech explicitly saying premeditati malorum, even though that's the entire book of Mishle. This is in Mishle, Proverbs uh, 28, 14. Ashrei Adam tamid umakshe libo yipol bara'a. Um, praiseworthy or happy is the man who fears constantly, and one, but one who makes his heart, uh, who hardens his heart, will fall into harm, okay? So um, we're not going to do a full analysis of this, but uh, I believe when I, in that episode, I'm not going to go back and listen to it. Uh, in that episode, I mentioned that when it says, Ashrei Adam Mafachi Tamid, praiseworthy is the person who is constantly fearful. It doesn't mean that you're in this state of cowering terror, um, but rather that you are are continually apprehensive or precautious would be the better way to translate it. So I was looking at the Mepharshim. I didn't do this last time. I was looking at the Mepharshim here, and I saw two uh, interesting pieces. 
which we're going to mix and match and uh, use it to come up with our own interpretation, which we're we're able to do because uh, you'll, you'll see from the from the quotation. So the first one is the Malvin, and as uh, those who are familiar with Malvin know, Malvin likes uh, Malvin holds that there's no such things as synonyms in Hebrew, and that every single nuance is essential to the idea. So he says in his Ber Inyan, and I'm only going to read the part of his commentary that is relevant to our mix and match um, uh, uh, explanation. He says. Yesh hebdel bin ha pochid bibinian hakal ubin ha mefachid mibinian hakaved. So, in other words, our our pasuk says mefachid, okay, as opposed to pochid. Now, again, if you're not the the malbim, chances are you'll say that those are just synonyms. Uh, but the malbim holds that that they have a different meaning, and in fact, he even goes so far as to say, let me just get his in his bir hamilos, he says. That the the word mafachit only appears in our pasuk and in one other pasuk is Yeshayahu fifty one thirteen. So he is he is drawing this. Um, he's claiming that this is consistent. Uh, that this is an anomaly in the use of the word fear. So what's his his explanation of fear? He says shamafachid the the term for fear that our pasuk uses who bedavar she'in sham pachad that's in something where there is no fear rak who ose et es atmo mifachid but rather he makes himself fearful so mifachid means that you are not in a natural state of fear but rather you artificially put yourself into a state of fear okay now the Malbim then goes on to apply that to fearing sin. Okay, and this is a this is a machlokas. This is a, a disagreement among the commentators on this pasuk in general. Are we talking about uh, mila shemaya or mila da'alma? Are we talking about matters between us and God, or are we talking about just everyday decisions? So Malbim takes the route of between us and God. We're going to take the route of everyday decisions because obviously that's that's the premeditatio malorum track here. Um, so the note we're getting, the point we're getting from the Malvim is mefache means you make yourself afraid. Okay, so hold on to that. Rav Yosef Kimchi, the Redox father, otherwise known in his commentary as the Sefer Chuka, said, uh, brings up a contradiction. He says, Adam yitain mokesh yusugav. In Mishlei 29.25, it says, the trembling of man instills a snare but one who trusts in Hashem will be uh, elevated or protected. Okay. These two pasukim contradict each other. Okay. How so? Because our pasuk is praising the person who is in a state of fear, but the pasuk uh, 29.25, which says uh, a man's trembling will instill a snare, is saying that that's going to be a bad thing. So what's the res- resolution of the contradiction? So he says... Um, the explanation is uh, praiseworthy is the man who fears constantly before he goes into the situation of fear okay whereas that the trembling of man instills a snare when he is in the situation of fear so in other words our pasuk is saying that if and I think this dovetails really well with the Meiri, uh, sorry, with the Malbim, even though the uh, the review of Kimchi doesn't necessarily say this, but I, it's consistent. Our pasuk Asher Adam Mafache Tamid is talking about a state where you are not naturally afraid because nothing is happening right now, but you make yourself afraid uh, of what what could happen in order to avoid it. But if you just 
don't try to take these precautions and then the thing happens to you. So then you end up being in a state of fear, which is a snare in that it it affects it adversely affects your ability to, to make decisions. And and I'm going to go one step further just now that we see that the word snare is being used here, that in our positive, the second half says, umaksha libo yipolvara, one who makes his, his, his heart hard or, or makes his heart stubborn will fall into harm. So, so that could mean, that could mean two things. Okay. It could mean that you make your, you harden your heart by thinking that there's not going to be any consequences. I think that's the plain shot. I wonder though, if it means that if you harden your heart by locking it into a state of this unhealthy kind of fear, then you'll, you'll fall into harm because you won't be able to think clearly. So in other words, it could be that the uh, that that quotation from uh, from the uh, the person I was talking to, anticipating con- catastrophe from a place of understanding, that's Ashrei Adam Afakhe Tamid. Whereas anticipating catastrophe from a place of craziness, that's Maksha Libo Yipol Bara'a. Um, so, not sure how to, uh, if that. I, I have to think about whether uh, what which shot I like better, but. The, the the main point here is that there are two types of premeditatio malorum. One in which you are are thinking about what could happen in order to prepare for it, and you're doing it from a place of understanding and objectivity um, and planning. And then there's another type, and that's the type that Mishlei praises. Then there's another type where you are experiencing undue levels of anxiety about something that's not actually happening, or you are are disproportionately like increasing the, the 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 probability like believing this thing is going to happen that's catastrophizing and that's going to interfere with your ability to think clearly okay now what does all of this have to do with uh with you know my uh my flight to new york so um as, uh, as i guess people who are listening to this right now as people know there was some crazy weather yesterday in on the east coast left over from hurricane ida on september 1st so so my brother johnny and i were uh were planning to return to new york uh and johnny decided to take a flight that left seattle uh at around 12 p.m and arrived in newark was scheduled to arrive in newark and then he was going to take uh you know uh, public transportation from newark back to to our apartment um which would have taken an additional hour and a half. Um, and he did this to save uh, some money. Uh, I decided to take the red eye, leaving Seattle at 9.15-ish, uh, scheduled to arrive in at JFK at 5.30 a.m., okay? So what happens? So my brother is on his flight, uh, which is, again, significantly earlier than mine, about nine hours earlier. And lo and behold, weather happens, and then there's a tornado warning, and then his flight can't land in Newark and is diverted to Pittsburgh and the airline put him up in a hotel, but they said that they wouldn't be able to rebook his flight until two 30 PM on Thursday, uh, which is, uh, in, in two hours from now. Um, and, uh, and then there was questions of would that even work or would they cancel? Because apparently tons of flights got canceled. So I, I get this message while I'm still in Seattle and I'm looking at the weather forecast, and it looks like um, it looks like by the time my flight gets in, then the weather's going to be fine in New York, and so I'm not going to have to worry about my flight being canceled or delayed or diverted. Uh, 
but so then I'm flying in the air uh, and I'm about halfway through the flight and that's when the turbulence starts and the turbulence lasts for the rest of the time. Meanwhile, I'm thinking and I, I, I was reading on the news that there was a state of emergency declared in New York City and that all non-essential transportation was um, was, uh, you know, banned, prohibited. I don't, I don't know what the word is. So then I started wondering, well, when I get into I, I it does seem not like I am going to land in New York, but will will this ban be extended? Will I be able to take an Uber from the airport to my apartment? And and if the answer is yes, is there going to be flooding that is going to prevent me from getting to my apartment? Um, my apartment is not in a flood prone area, but apparently this you know, flooding was very extreme. And I have no idea what parts of the route between the apartment, between the airport and my apartment might have been subject to flooding. So I was thinking about that as I was planning this episode. And uh, it really helped me again. Uh, the 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 I I can't underscore how 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 different it is uh, to learn the writings of the Stoics and focus on practical applications in your life versus just reading as theoretics. It's all about the practical application. And so, I think it was the the fact that I was uh, that I had you know um, been uh, talking about yesterday's episode with uh, the listener, combined with the the situation I was going through in the airplane where I was not engaging in catastrophizing. I was clearly engaging in premeditatio malorum, trying to plan what to do. And, uh, and that's when this episode came together. So that is it for today's episode. Um, uh, if you've gained from what you've learned here, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. And since this is the beginning of the month, uh, I really should have done this yesterday, but, um, Excuse me. Uh, I would like to thank all of my patrons uh, by name, uh, as I as I try to do every month, uh, and they are Tamar, Isaiah, Isaac, Rafi, Danny, Anne, Aaron, Ed, Moshe, Dove, Esti, Mark, Dan, S, Gersh, Reed, Adam, Albert, Avi, H, Gabi, Ariel, Ezra, Yaakov, Donny, Johnny, Terry, Elliot, Jonah, uh, Daniel, Yls, Shai, Frederick, Ylw, John, Jacob. Raf, Isamu, Rachel, Dan L, Mayan, Pina, Alyssa, John W. Did I say John W twice? No, I didn't. Uh, Stephen, Mikey S, and Ayala. Uh, and I, I see, by the way, that we have um, uh, 41 patrons. Uh, uh, so thank you to all of them. And if you are considering to, uh, if, if you've been listening for a while, or even if you've not been listening for a while, if you want to become a patron, uh, then remember, any amount is appreciated. Uh, and you'll be charged uh, once a month uh, on the first of the month. So this is a good time to sign up. And I keep on forgetting to mention this. Patreon has the uh, recently introduced the option of, of pledging an entire year's worth of Patreon contributions in one shot. Uh, and so for some people, that's easier than, than making a monthly commitment. Uh, again, you can cancel at any time. Uh, and every uh, every, you know, Every dollar uh, helps. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. Alternatively, if you'd like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are MattSchneeweiss at gmail.com. Uh, and if you would like to sponsor days or a week's worth of content, or if you're interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or a tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnaywise at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.